0: Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Praise the Lord, everyone.
1: My name is Joe Hostetler. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. I am here with my good brethren, Jacob. Praise the Lord. Anthony. Hi. And Seth. Hey, how's it going? Scripture Unleashed is a Bible reading program that's set out by the UPCI Children's Ministry. I would think you know what it is by now if you're going through it. But it is where you read the Bible through in one year. It's a good program to go through, and that's what we are doing with Scripture Unleashed and just commenting, picking up topics, commenting on them. Things that stick out to us. It's impossible to cover every topic, especially in this week. We have a lot of good things. We're going through First Kings chapter seventeen through twenty-two, as well as Second Kings chapter one through chapter thirteen, and Psalms chapter sixty-nine through seventy-one. Also, your pastor does teach on bible topics of fiction differently than what you hear if it's just opinions that you're listening to from us listen to your pastor anyway we've got a lot of good stuff today guys i'm excited about it one of the first characters that we see in this week's reading is king ahab interesting character seth could you give us kind of an overview of ahab
2: ahab was uh an evil king and he married and it seemed like a even more wicked woman Think very very Mm -hmm. commonly known. Jezebel, the story of Ahab in the Kings really long. It covers several chapters, spans several chapters of the Kings. You know, it's kind of this battle between Elijah and Ahab, or more like God and and Ahab. You know, it seems like God really wants Ahab straight now to serve Him Mm -hmm. uh, and to not serve the false gods, and to you know, it's just a mess. God was trying to draw Israel back to Himself through the man of God, Uh, Ahab. And Elijah, it's not really a battle, but they battle back and forth. And God sends a drought. God sends Elijah. It was about as annoying as it gets. You look through the life of Ahab. He was uh, listening to Jezebel. He steals a man's, it will I don't know if we'll talk about it fully today, steals a man's vineyard. At one point, has him killed, allows it to happen. He goes mm-hmm. out. Uh, the prophecy is given of him. One thing I did think that was very interesting, though, if you read through, and you'll, you'll glean, the reader will glean, that Ahab's a wicked person. Um, but at one point, he, he still does know how to serve God, which is interesting. Because at one point, you read in the Kings, Ahab is told that he is going to die. It seems like it's going to be fairly soon. And what mm-hmm. Ahab does is he humbles himself right. in the sight of God, yeah. and God extends his life, which is really interesting. And uh, yeah.
1: he says that because of that, he's not going to bring that evil upon Ahab, but he will on his son.
2: But then Ahab is finally killed in battle. It, is pro- it was prophesied how he was going to die. It said, you know, your blood is going to be licked up by the dogs uh, mm-hmm. in a certain place. And it happened just like the man of God said. He was killed in battle, uh, shot with an arrow into the, I believe it was said, into the heart. and mm-hmm. uh, And then his chariot was driven back to a pool right in the place. Uh, where the man of God had said, "You, your blood is going to be licked up by the dog," and uh, so yeah, just a just an evil guy, and uh his murdering his wife was evil as well. I mean, you can just see what happens when a, a husband submits to his wife.
3: I know one thing that I kind of noticed. You mentioned how he was shot in the heart by an archer when it when it talks about that. The, it says that the archer shoots at a venture. Basically, he just shoots randomly into. He wasn't even aiming for Ahab. He just shot randomly into the crowd. And happened to kill Ahab.
1: Happened to kill Ahab.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, the Lord directed the arrow. Yeah. And I just think it's funny. Like it wasn't even like that archer was intending to kill Ahab. He was just like, I'm just going to shoot. And sure enough, got him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when they, you know, they they go back to wash the chariot out at the pool of Samaria, and that is that's right where the man of God said, "This is where you're going to die." And it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like God knows what's going to happen in the future or something.
3: Yeah, I know.
2: Crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Crazy. yeah,
1: yeah. that's very good. Let's talk about his wife a little bit more. Anthony, could you talk a little bit about Jezebel for
0: us? Seth pointed out that, you know, Ahab, sure, he was a wicked king and all, but, you know, we do see glimpses to where you just talked about that he humbled himself before God, especially after hearing such bad judgment for him. Truly, he was a man under Jezebel's influence, much like our world today. When when you look at the life of Jezebel, she was she was I believe a king's daughter originally. She was, uh, yeah. and but she married Ahab. First Kings eighteen nineteen. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel onto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. And then I, I'd put in a note, well, whose table are you eating at? Mm. But it's interesting because I don't know if they all ate together, but that'd be 850 prophets mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Jezebel's table. It doesn't record Ahab's table. True. So where are they getting their nourishment from? Where are they getting their, their fellowship from? And I think mm-hmm. that applies to us today in so many ways, especially if we're trying to live right, especially if we are trying to be, you know, apostolic to the core, you know, what, what is influencing you? What, what are you letting in your mind? What, what are you digesting spiritually? Because all these things play a huge part in who you are, you know, who you hang out with, uh, what you entertain yourself with. They influence you. And you can see that with Ahab's life, that he was heavily influenced. It wasn't long after he married Jezebel that she introduces Baal worship mm-hmm. and idolatry And then you just see that just snowball and just get worse and worse, of course, until the whole nation is polluted with iniquity. But that that spirit is alive and well today. It's a seducing spirit. Mm -hmm. It's a spirit um, that comes subtly, just, just like Satan came subtly in the Garden of Eden. I guess... When when you look at the battle of our minds, it's probably the most important, but you see that time and time again, the the truly wicked destructive forces, they they don't come at you in in full force bluntly, but they come suddenly that they come, Mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit here, a little influence there and and slowly you're polluted. I just want to warn any listener out there that what you hang out with and whose table you eat at, uh, whether it's physically, I mean, if you're eating McDonald's every day, it'll catch up with you probably. But but more importantly, spiritually, you know, what what voices are you listening to in your life? What are you you letting influence you?
3: You know, Jezebel is mentioned in the book of Revelation among the seven churches of Asia Minor. I can't right off the top of my head remember which church it is, uh, but that's chapters two and three of Revelation. You can go in there and search it out yourself. It talks about that they allowed this spirit of Jezebel into the church and it caused the church to fall away into idolatry and to adultery. And and so this church just falls away because of Jezebel. And so Jesus tells them, you know, I, I gave her room to repent. I gave her space to repent, but she didn't mm-hmm. repent. And because of that, I'm going to throw her and all of her, her lovers, as it says, into the bed and, and basically kill them there. You know, whether or not this happens to to that Jezebel, maybe she repents after hearing this or only God knows really in those people that were there at the time. But as you were saying, Anthony, this spirit of Jezebel is still alive today. It's not something that's that's gone away.
1: Right. Yeah, And we certainly see that, like you said, Jacob, in the book of Revelation, because this is obviously a long time after the, the real Jezebel yeah. was alive. Yeah, no, that's very good. Um, one of the things about Ahab that that I found interesting, and, and it comes out uh, like three times. That Ahab, you mentioned earlier, Seth, that Ahab and Elijah seems like they clash a lot. And Ahab calls Elijah his enemy. But the first time that, that we see this, it seems like maybe the first time that Ahab and Elijah meet is God tells uh, Elijah to come confront Ahab. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, that when Ahab saw Elijah, he said, "Art thou he that troubleth Israel?" And so Ahab got this idea that 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 Elijah is the problem here. Like, I wish Elijah would go away. He he's yeah. troubling Israel. But if you go back a couple chapters, the First Kings chapter sixteen, verse thirty, uh, the Bible says that Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And uh, yeah. I have to read that whole thing. But then there it says that he was married to Jezebel. And uh, it says, he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So, so Ahab, he got this backward, he's, he's the mm-hmm. one that's troubling Israel with this worship of Baal, and he's leading the people of Israel away from God and, and serving Baal. But he's, he's like, he tells Elijah, art thou he that troubleth Israel? And then the next thing in in first kings twenty one uh we mentioned a little bit earlier there was there was a man Naboth that had a had a vineyard that is uh, Naboth the Jezreelite he had a vineyard that Ahab mm-hmm. wanted and uh and he wants to buy it from him and and uh and Naboth is like, "No, this is my inheritance, I can't give this away and Ahab goes into pouting mm-hmm. he he, he yeah, turns his he does. you know he turns his uh, face to the wall in bed and won't eat and his wife's like you know what's wrong and and he tells her that i want this i want this vineyard and and uh you know he's not giving it to me and so so she plots to uh, have naboth Je- jezebel ahab's wife plots to have naboth set up to make it look like he's blaspheming god and the king and so he gets stoned by the people in the city when this happened very upset with ahab and he sends elijah again and he says, uh, you know, I want you to go confront Ahab and he told him what to prophesy to to Ahab. Mm-hmm. You know, can you imagine it to be an old testament prophet, you had to be bold because there was times yeah. you had to come before yeah. the king and yeah. you know and bring something like this to an evil king. Mm-hmm. You know, can you imagine he could have certainly uh you know, obviously God could protect Elijah, but you know, King Ahab could have had him killed as well. Yeah. And and to confront the king. But well what I found Uh, interesting is when elijah came to ahab in first kings 21 verse 20 ahab said to elijah hast thou found me o mine enemy ahab was was an enemy of the prophet he was an enemy Hmm. of the word of god in his life um he was an enemy of of elijah he hated elijah we see that in in the very next chapter of course the king of judah which was jehoshaphat the king of israel which is ahab come together and it looks like they're they're trying to decide should we go up against syria up against the Mm. the king of syria and jehoshaphat tells ahab like hey is there a prophet that we can ask you know inquire of the lord we go up against syria and they have oh yeah i've got 400 of them but you know he's they're they're false prophets and somehow jehoshaphat knows this but they ask these prophets and, and the prophets were like, oh, yeah, you know, the Lord go up for the Lord. He'll deliver uh, Syria into the hand of the king. Mm-hmm. And Jehoshaphat, for some reason or other, knows that he's like, is there another prophet?
3: Yeah, he says, is there a prophet of the Lord besides?
1: Yeah,
0: like, is there another like, one? <laughs> can I get a second opinion? Yeah, yeah, yeah basically.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting is
1: the king of Israel said of Joshua, Jehoshaphat. He said, yep, there's one other man, Micaiah the son of iblah by whom we, we may inquire the lord says, but i hate him he doesn't mm. prophesy good things to me Should i yeah. hate him
3: yeah which is it's kind of funny because a little bit later you know he, micaiah comes and is brought in and he begins to prophesy to them he answers the same as the other prophets yes he does but as soon as he says that king ahab goes have I not told you to only tell me the truth? Like, he gets mad at him. And so it makes it makes me wonder if Micaiah was like, oh, yeah, go up. Yeah, you'll make it. You'll live. Like, yeah, like, you know, kind of sarcastic. Yeah,
1: like, break a leg.
3: Yeah, yeah, something like, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you'll do fine, you know? Because how else would Ahab, hearing what he wanted to hear, <laughs> yeah. realize that this man was lying to him, yeah.
1: you know? You know, Ahab, he said, I hate this man. And, and what's interesting is, uh, you know, that, same deal goes on today there's people that that sometimes they hate they hate a preacher mm. or mm. even get you know get mad at a preacher uh, hate the bible yep. now, art thou he that troubleth israel art thou he that troubleth me uh, no the word of god is not the problem and uh, and the man preaching the word of god is not the problem if the word of god is a problem to you that you are the problem uh, just you know just turn your life around yep. first peter chapter Absolutely. 2 verse 6 Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion, chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him uh, shall not be confounded. But then Peter goes on to say that to some people this this stone is precious. And of course, he's talking about Jesus here. Mm -hmm. This stone is precious, uh, but to some it's a stumbling block unto us which are obedient, it's precious. And and really, the the word of God is not the problem. And, and, And certainly, Elijah wasn't the problem here. You know, don't don't right. don't get mad at, at the at the voice of God in your life.
2: I do agree with you completely. One of the things that I noticed you know, when you were talking there, and it goes right along with that same thought, is when Elijah comes to Ahab, and it, and it came to pass, Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubled Israel? And then he answers, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and my father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. And then if you read a little further on in first Kings 21, I believe it 21 and 20 and then 25, it talks about Ahab. There was no King like him. He sold himself to do evil. Right. And then his wife incited him, ticed him, you know, uh, helped right. him spur mm-hmm. him on to do more evil. But it's, it's funny when people are on the wrong side of God, they always have the things of God backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, yeah. are, are you he that troubles Israel? And, right. and Elijah's mm-hmm. like, no, you're the one who's trouble in Israel. But like that's yeah. like Acts two. You know, the people come back and they're like, "Are they drunk?" Like, no, this is what God is doing. You know, mm-hmm. not on the wrong side. Of God. Also later on in Acts nineteen, where you know they're 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 shouting, "These are the men. They they've come here. They've turned the world upside down. Mm-hmm. Like they made this, this bad thing happen." And, and mm-hmm. It's like, no, they're right. on the wrong side of God. Actually, they turn the world upside right. Right? You yeah. It's 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 right. <laughs> It's going the right way. Just the world always gets it backwards and gets it wrong. No, that's
1: good. So let's talk a little bit more about what happens after Elijah tells Ahab this on Mount Carmel. There's Mount Carmel right after this.
3: Elijah, he he shows up, back up to him, and he says, you know, gather to me all of the, the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of the grove. It's interesting to note that Jezebel actually says no to the prophets of the grove, but allows the prophets of Baal to go for whatever reason, only this 400 shows, there would have been 850, but only this 400 shows. And Elijah sets up this test and says, you know, if whichever God sends fire down from heaven, let him be God. And people say, well, yeah, that's a good idea. So Elijah has them set up their altar and tells them, don't put any fire underneath it, cut up your thing. And these prophets of Baal, they dance and worship and all this for hours and hours and hours all the way until the evening sacrifice, trying to get their false god to respond. And nothing happens. Being that he's made of wood and uh, metal, he doesn't do anything other than just lay there. But then Elijah comes up, you know, and he's taunting him. But then afterwards, he, he gets there and he just says 66 words as it's translated into English. 66 words and God sends fire down that consumes not only the sacrifice but the altar itself. All of the water and even some of the ground gets all burnt up in the heat of this fire. It, it, it's such a powerful thing because after this, you know, all the people they fall down. and They say, "The Lord, He is God." The Lord, He is God. Then all of these, yeah, they, wouldn't you know, want to die either. The... You know, like... yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, yes, He's God. And so then they, he has all of the, all of those prophets killed. Now that means that there's still 450 prophets of the grove. So they were the prophets of Asherah or Astaroth, whichever one it was at this time. And so they were still around, but all of the prophets of Baal are now dead. You know, we see after this, that Elijah prays for rain and the rain comes and somehow Elijah outruns a chariot at the end of this chapter. Like that's intense. (laughs) there's really so much in this, this scene of this fight for Israel's faith. I know that it's something that I've experienced myself because we see, you see the very next chapter, Elijah comes and he's, he is told by Jezebel, she says, you know, let the gods do to me and more also, which is like a curse, you know, to say like, let them destroy me and rip me to shreds or whatever, if this doesn't happen. And she threatens to kill him, to make him as the prophets of Baal, and he flees. And I think it's interesting because, you know I've heard it preached before, too, that it seems like on the day after our greatest spiritual victory is the day when the most oppression happens. You always seem to you hit this high point. that's why most ministers, most pastors take Monday off because after Sunday, after they've preached and and had the anointing flow through them, Monday usually will be the hardest day of their week. and so they'll take that day off for for a day of rest so that they don't you know get too overwhelmed. But this is the same thing that we see happens here in Elijah. I want a say, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, with that, listener, we're going to go to a short
1: break and we will be right back. Praise the Lord, listener, we are back. Uh, we talked a lot about Elijah in the first half. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a man by the name of Elisha. And we would like that to introduce Elisha.
2: Yes, Elisha, not Elijah. So Elisha was Elijah's <laughs> he would be his servant. The Bible talks about he was kind of his servant, he ministered to him, served mm-hmm. him somehow. But then, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that Elisha was going to be uh the one who would follow Elijah as far as he is going to the mantle was going to pass to him. The anointing of God was going to pass to Elisha. Mm-hmm. And Elisha goes with Elijah, he follows him well, it seems like all day, Elijah kind of keeps telling him like, hey, you know, she goes on, go on somewhere, go off, go off. It's like, no, nope, I'm following you, bro. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad one time <laughs> making a very Southern description. something like he was going to stick to him like a like a tick to a, you know, coon hound or whatever. (laughs) And and that's exactly what happened. And because of that, he gets to see Elijah ascend into heaven with a chariot of fire, and horses of fire. And Mm -hmm. he is his mantle comes down. He grabs it, takes up his mantle. But some interesting things happen in that transition on that day. Elijah comes. They come to a place of water and he takes his mantle to the Jordan, the Jordan River. Yeah, Yeah. The Jordan River again. And he touches, you know, uh, he smote the waters. The Bible says so he gets the waters, and the, and the water just divides. They walk on dry ground. Like this is the anointing that Elijah had. Mm-hmm. And then Elisha, you know, this the, you see this whole event happen. The chariot of fire, Elijah is taken up in heaven, and Elisha, the mantle, he's got the mantle. He comes back to the uh, to the river, and he's like smites the water. Where's the God? Of Elijah and the water just opens right back up, you know, it's it's like he's got the anointing and he's asked for a double portion of Elijah's ministry. And yeah, Yeah. so it's, it's also very interesting to note that even though Elisha does ask a double portion or Elisha asks a double portion of Elijah, he does twice as many miracles, though. He's uh, asking a little bit more there than what, you know, Mm -hmm. we might think of as a double portion. And then Elijah, Elisha, here we go. My goodness. Elisha from there on is the anointed man of God Mm -hmm. and Israel knows. Like, I mean, immediately he he uh, passes through the water. They know he's the man of God. And then there's also that really, really funny portion. That's not so funny. in Second Kings two. And uh, they make fun of his baldness.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. yeah, That's horrible.
2: Yeah. yeah, Y'all make fun of a bald man of God. Go ahead. (laughs) uh, Regret. Yeah. and uh and guess what yeah you're going to get eaten up by a couple of she bears yeah so, <laughs> but uh elisha Sorry. just uh just he was a powerful man of god just yes. used tremendously, tremendously yeah yes he was yeah so and, yeah. Uh, i i there's like a chapter 4 is like de- dedicated completely to fo- four or five i mean it's just like completely to the miracles that god it was stacked yes yeah
1: right mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit, though, about going back to this this transition from, or Elijah being taken up. Uh, Jacob, let's um, digress
3: a little bit more on that. So Elijah is promised by God to return again. I know I talked about this for like, uh, what, seven minutes at Seth's church the other week. It wasn't very long. Six. Uh, yeah, six. You yeah, preached it was... for six minutes? <laughs> that was about it. Yeah. So yeah, so Elijah is promised in malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 god prophesies through malachi He says behold i will send you elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the lord and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest i should come and smite the earth with a curse and this is the last i mean this is the last word that is heard for 400 years in israel from god right and this is actually something the Jews very much hold on to, that uh, it's something that they, they believe that Elijah helps them in times of trouble, random, like at random points, like they could be in danger of, of death. So they, they hold to this promise that, that he will come back. They set out a fifth cup during the Passover celebration, and they originally they set out, they believed to set out four, but they weren't sure if it was four or five, because there's four or five promises given in Exodus chapter six, verse six about what God will do. And so that's what these four cups are for or five cups are for. But they weren't entirely sure. So they set that fifth cup apart and they set it there for Elijah. Their idea was, is that when Elijah comes, he will set everything straight. He will correct everything. He will make straight the way of the Lord. And we see this in John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes as that voice crying in the wilderness, bringing the parents to the children and the children back to the parents. We see this. But then John the Baptist himself says that I am not Elijah he has the spirit of Elijah, kind of like Elisha had the double portion. John the Baptist seems to have a portion of Elijah's spirit. Later on, we see that Elijah, noting that he will come in the before that great terrible day of the Lord, is more than likely one of the two witnesses that show up in Revelation as they they stand before the people in Israel at the three and a half year mark when the Antichrist sets himself up as God. Elijah and one other prophet, which we're not sure of exactly who he is, appear on the scene and begin to prophesy that Jesus is Christ. And they begin to the witness of Jesus being the Christ, which it's believed that that other witness is Moses, because both Elijah and Moses appear on the Mount of Transfiguration. And also the, the prophets have two abilities, one to turn water to blood, as Moses did, and the other to cause a drought, as Elijah did. And so Elijah will return. That's basically that whole thing there yeah a very interesting stuff we talked a little
1: bit about Elisha, that you know he went on to do great mighty things we talked about some of the mm-hmm. miracles that Elijah did but uh second kings chapter five and I literally just preached about this so it's kind of fresh in my mind but in second <laughs> kings chapter five there is a king of Syria has a he is the bible says that there was a captain of the host of the king of syria name was naaman he was a very honorable man tie up king of syria because by him the lord had given deliverance unto syria the bible says and he was a mighty man in valor but he was a leper but they didn't have a cure for leprosy and leprosy is a terrible disease i mean it kills your nerves to to where you can harm yourself because you can't feel pain so like you know you stick your arm in a fire and you literally couldn't feel it because your nerves were just dead. His wife had a servant girl from Israel, and she told her mistress, the wife of Naaman, that hey, if Naaman went was was with the prophet back in Israel, he'd get healed from this. And so Elisha was—he was, mm-hmm. you know, was pretty—he was known by Israel as being the prophet as well. So Naaman's like, go. and so so he to make a long story longer. He ends up uh, going to Israel. Elisha knows he's coming, but Elisha doesn't even come down to meet him. He just sends a servant down and tells him, Go dip in the Jordans, have the time. You'll be clean. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Naaman gets very angry. The Bible says Naaman was wrath and went away and, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, strike the hand over the place, recover the leper. But Naaman's very upset. Why couldn't I just dip in the rivers back in Syria and I could be made whole there? But this was what God had said through the prophets. What I what I found find interesting here is because of Naaman's response to the Word of God. And and this was the Word of God. It came and we live in a different time now. Just, you know, we I still believe in I still believe there's prophets, there's New Testament prophets as well. But this mm-hmm. is the final authority. Our our Bible is the final authority. But people sometimes fight against. Why do I got to mm-hmm. be baptized in Jesus? I was baptized yeah. in the yeah. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like, why is that not enough? It's like Naaman. Yeah, you could have dipped back in mm-hmm. Syria, but the point is, Elijah said, "Go dip in Jordan." Just yeah. do it. And Elijah yeah. just right. about yeah. missed what he came to, to Israel Israel do because he didn't hear what he expected to hear. Like he did not. Mm-hmm. Ex- he didn't see or hear <laughs> from the prophet. What he expected to hear or see, but it's the word of God, yeah. and he just about missed out on it. But there was a servant that said, "Hey, we came all the way. At least mm-hmm. just try it," and, and yeah. he does, and of, and of course it worked. He is made clean.
3: What that servant says to him, you know, if, if he had told you to do some great thing, like go and slay a giant, yeah, and you'll be healed of your leprosy, like wouldn't you have gone and done? Right it? is what the servant says to him. Like if you'd have done this, that's the same thing with salvation, right? If God told you, you know, you have to stand on your, you know, left foot and juggle, and then you're saved, wouldn't you be practicing to do that? But all He says is just be baptized in Jesus' name and live for yeah. me. be filled with the Holy Ghost. Repent, you know, turn away from your sin. Right. That's that's it. Yeah. It's so simple, it and yet if it was some great thing, then the whole world would probably be like, oh yeah, I can do that. You know.
1: What, yeah. What's interesting mm-hmm. is people like get so mystical about it. It can't be this simple, or you know,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and sometimes simple things confound wise people. Yeah. right and and that's yeah, what for yeah. And, to,
2: yeah and uh um, yeah that's good and then having hmm. a uh you know uh, ever learning never able to come to the knowledge of the exactly truth, you know yes. it's like yep. yeah exactly it's, it's, i've met people like that i'm like either you want to talk about all these profound things and i'm like mm-hmm. you, you don't even have the milk of the word yet yeah you're choking on this meat if you look in verse 17, this is really interesting, Second uh, Kings chapter 5, verse 17, Naaman, this is when he comes back after he healed, Naaman said, shall there not, then I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice to other gods, but unto the Lord. In ancient thinking, they literally thought that, that and, and Paul even talks about it in Ephesians, but where a piece of ground was that's where that God ruled. So for instance, the mm. world thought Jehovah was the God of Israel. Like that's where he dwelt over that piece of ground. And so mm. Naaman wanted to take uh, some dirt from Israel on these mules, load them down, take it back with him. So he could worship God on Israel soil because oh, wow. that's where, that's where the God of Israel dwelt on Israeli soil. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's very interesting, you know, you hear these, these kind of these faith preachers or these, uh, You know, those guys that are you're like, you're hearing them preach and you're like, are you sure that's in the Bible?
1: Is that in the Bible?
2: And uh, here you see, maybe there is some evidence that, yeah, there are uh, powers and principalities over areas, over certain districts, over certain states, over certain uh, countries.
1: Yeah, that's good. I never saw that, but that, you know, that falls in line also with uh, John chapter four, you know, the Mm. woman at the well, Jacob's well tells Jesus your fathers say you know worship in, in in jerusalem and so yeah that's interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. i never like i had no idea what that was i'm mm-hmm. glad you pointed that out
3: one thing that you that you mentioned there you know when it, when jesus is at the with the woman at the well and he's you know they're talking about where somebody ought to worship and then he says in the context of that he mentions that god will be worshiped in spirit and in truth mm-hmm. it's not about where mm-hmm. it's about the attitude Of it, yeah. I don't remember who it was. One of the brothers on the Forward Facebook group. You guys are ministers. You should jump on there. It's actually kind of fun if you don't if you're not in there yet. Um, just search up Forward in Facebook, and then you send in your or tell them that you are a licensed minister and whatnot, and they'll allow you access into it. But anyways, he posts and he's he's going through and he mentions about that Tertullian, the first person to write about the Trinity. He was a post a post apostolic. Church father, quote unquote, but he writes about the Trinity. He was the first person to use the word "ecclesia," meaning church, to describe a building, a physical building. And so it's it's kind of interesting that 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 the same person that brings in this pagan principle into Christianity of the Trinity also is the one that brings in the idea that to be in a specific place yeah. to worship God. That is interesting. Mm. It's it goes completely against the Bible. Right. We still need to assemble together as a body. We still need to have fellowship, but you know it's not so much important about the actual physical building that you're in, as it is that you're just with the people of God.
1: Right. Yeah, it's funny that you know that we feel like we have to make a disclaimer like don't stop assembling now. But you no, know, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, both of them are absolutely true. Like we are the house of the Lord. Church is the house of the Lord.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you steadfastly. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Yep. It says they were all from in, house to house. Yeah, they were all in 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 one accord. Uh, they had all things in common. They were together. The Bible says God needs to be mm-hmm. worshipped in my home. And uh, yes, and then yes, come together Amen. as believers and worship as well because that is also scriptural. Yeah, and cor- you know yes, corporate sir. prayer, all that stuff. That talk about Jehu for us,
2: Do Jehu, Jehu, Jehu. Jacob. Scholar. Yahoo. <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> Hebrew. Jehu, man, he's an interesting guy. Jehu is anointed king. You know, he is used mightily of God to accomplish what God said was going to happen through the man of God towards the house of Ahab. Ahab's house is cut off. His lineage is cut off. All the men in his home under his lineage are killed. Uh, you know, he tricks brother Jacob every time Jacob reads it. Yeah, but he, he, he he he's like, you know what we're gonna, you know, uh, Ahab he served Baal a little, man. I'm we're gonna serve. I'm him I'm gonna serve him much. I'm, we're gonna serve him with everything we got, we'll you know. And so yeah. they they pull all the people in, um, trick them, and then they kill mm-hmm. every one of them. You know, all yeah. the worshippers of Baal and, and Israel's powerful. It really was powerful, you know. Like God used him mightily yes. to to rid Israel of sin. The only problem was that Jehu. Still didn't serve God. It just goes to show you that God can use whoever He wants to accomplish His will. Yes, um, and His will will be done. Like I can, I yeah. can promise you that His will is going to happen. His His sovereign will. Now His His yeah. When He gives us free will, if for for instance, is it First Peter three nine, Second Peter three nine? God's not willing that any should perish,
1: right. um, mm-hmm.
2: but that all should come to repentance. Now that's the perfect will of God. Yet yeah, he gives us free will to make the decision to either serve yeah. Him or not. But in this case, when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen no matter what. If, if, if somebody wants to come to God, God will use whoever to get that person to him. If you look in Acts chapter 18 and 19, he was used. All he preached was the baptism of John, and he was used to preach in Ephesus to a group of men. The baptism of John, they started following the baptism of John. Well, you look at Acts 19, Paul comes right behind that and uh, back to those men in in Ephesus. And he preaches, okay, what John had going on was good, but there's more for you. You need to be Mm -hmm. baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that happened. And and it's just powerful that God can use whoever to accomplish his will. And it works over and over and over again.
1: All right. That was some good discussion, brethren. There was a lot more we could Mm -hmm. talk about. We could have digressed a lot more on Elijah. Elisha, Jezebel, uh, but we are out of time. Story listener, we did not get to anything in Psalm. You'll just have to read it for yourself, which is the point of this. If something does jump out to you that we didn't cover, we would love to hear from you, things that stuck out to mm-hmm. you. Please reach out to us on Anchor.fm. You can find us in the name of the podcast, Scripture Unleashed. Or you can uh, reach us through our Scripture Unleashed, Unleashed Facebook page. We would love to hear from you some feedback, encouragement, maybe some advice, any advice you have for us. Um, you don't know this, but we are not professional podcasters. We are just <laughs> we are just a group of four ministers in North Dakota that, that <laughs> decided to do this. So so advice, constructive sort of criticism, even maybe that uh, would be okay. But we hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we look forward to having you with us next week. God bless. Okay. God bless. That was great.
0: thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.